So I have this lovely friend named Rose who happens to wear head-to-toe vintage every day of the week. Oh, I've met Rose. She's lovely. Um, so lovely. She has this really beautiful gold lame turban. Mm. And it's it's over over time just become, I mean, what I consider her signature look. It's even, she, she actually, someone sketched her in, in the hat. How, how does she wear her hair when she's got the turban on? She just pulls it back. Like low in the nape, or does she tuck it all up in the turban? It seems to all be inside. Okay. Inside. I mean, I, I'd have to ask her, but yeah, I feel like it's just it's just her hair pulled back in the very you know at the at the forehead. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember seeing any of her hair at the back. So so anyway, she's like someone's even sketched her wearing the hat, and now that's like on her business cards, and it's her you know profile look on Facebook, and I don't know. It's just kind of how I think of Rose is wearing this beautiful turban. So I recently asked her, how did this become such an integral part of your look? And she said, it's funny. She's like, when I first got it, someone had given it to her as a gift. She looked at it, and she's like, this is way too extra. But she she had to take it because it was mm-hmm. a gift, you know. So I guess some time went by and she finally just tried it on and she realized it just worked. I guess the way she saw it was that it was a nice contrast. She has dark hair, so the gold was a really nice contrast to her hair. Something about the height of it, the shape of it was really complimentary and flattering to her face. She says that she's had it since like 2008. She estimates she's worn it probably around 120 times if not more oh my goodness I know it's so it's it's uh that's what I mean like that's I think of I've seen her wear it so many times and it's like but you don't get sick of it you know it it just looks like it's like part of her uh, to me that's how a hat should be it should feel like it's an extension of the person like an old friend exactly well you know me I'm a shameless outfit repeater I, I don't I don't understand the people like oh I can't wear that I've been seen in it before no I have no problem with that but I asked her specifically, I'm like, well, how do you feel when you wear the turban? And she said that she feels fabulous and pretty. And it happens to be kind of a conversation piece. She says she likes wearing it to to social functions because people stop her and ask her about it. And it's like an icebreaker. She said it's without a doubt the most worn hat that she owns. And she owns quite a few vintage hats. So uh, you wouldn't think a gold lame hat would be the one that gets the heaviest rotation. But I love that. Well, that's what's so interesting about it, because it seems like it would be so dramatic. But she says it oddly matches so many of her outfits. So it, it's like I think we all have that like sort of accessory in our repertoire that for whatever reason just goes with so many things. And that's what makes it feel like an old friend. You know, you could just grab it. You don't even have to like look at it in the mirror. You don't have to look at yourself in the mirror. You just know you're going to put it on and feel good about it. With that, I think it's time to talk about our topic of the day. One of the most enchanting and enduring accessories, the fashion turban. We'll be talking turban history, counting down our top turban moments, and sharing personal stories. I'm Rachel. And I'm Deborah. Welcome to Very Vintage. For the sake of brevity, we won't be getting into the thousands of years of history with regards to turbans. Some sort of draped style headwear can be found throughout the ages. From the famous painting in 1665, The Girl with the Pearl Earring, to modern day Sikhs, the turban is a ubiquitous accessory for both fashion, utility, religious significance, status symbols, and beyond. Traditional turban folds mean something culturally and religiously. They have specific significance the way that they're created. Once turbans came into fashion in America by way of European fashion houses, the folding purely became decorative. 
We will be focusing on U.S. women's fashions going back about 200 years. So because there are so many different types of turbans and things like that, uh, I do, uh, is this a classic podcaster cliche? I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia article about turbans just so we can get a definition out there. A draped turban or turban hat is a millinery design in which fabric is draped to create headwear closely molded to the head. Sometimes it may be stiffened or padded, although simpler versions may just comprise of wound fabric that is knotted or stitched. It may include a peak, a feather, or other details to add height. It generally covers most, if not all, of the hair. So an important note about turbans, or even the phrase turban, is that turbans themselves are often linked culturally and religiously to certain groups of people. While many people wear them for aesthetics, please always be mindful when purchasing or wearing a draped headpiece that there might be more to that headpiece than just a fashionable item. If you're thrifting at an estate sale, an auction, or finding vintage garments however you do, and you come across a piece with religious or cultural significance that is ascribed to a religion or a culture that you personally are not part of, please be mindful. So if you're going to purchase that piece, please don't put it in your personal collection. I'm just of the school of thought that that piece should go back to the group of people to enjoy or learn about their own history. So find a museum, find a a school. uh, But if you are going to be collecting pieces and there might be a degree of cultural or religious significance, please make sure to get it back to its rightful owner. And also, please do not touch without asking anyone else's turban because it's actually considered very offensive. Our conversation today is going to take place starting around the year 1800. Imagine it. America, a brand new country, and the social scene is just starting to take shape in Washington, D.C. At this time, future First Lady Dolly Madison was the occasional stand-in First Lady for the current President Thomas Jefferson, who had been widowed. People loved her fashionable ways. Well, for the most part. But at any rate, they followed her for the latest trends. She often added embellishments to the trim of her dresses so that her headwear would match her outfits. White velvet was her favorite material, and she also had headpieces in red, blue, and when her husband, James Madison, was elected president, she wore a purple turban to his inauguration. Dolly loved an excuse to dress up, so she decided that she was going to be hosting the first inaugural ball. According to WhiteHouseHistory.org, she wore an amazing buff-colored turban that was decorated with plumes of feathers, jewels, and even strands of pearls. She was certainly not one to be subtle, and after wearing this fabulous turban, curiosity was piqued and the fashion accessory took hold in popular fashion culture once more. So, Deborah, in my research, I found this term. It was called nervous trim. Have you ever heard of this? I have, actually. It's when it's it's a piece of, it's some type of decorative trim that is on maybe wire or something where it's loose, and it just, like, trembles kind of. So when the, the wear is moving, it's just sort of shaking and creating movement. Yeah, it was really interesting. I'd never, I, I'd certainly seen those types of embellishments on headwear, but I'd never heard the term nervous trim and I loved it. It's fun. When I do it, when I'm designing, I, I think of it as movement. I need something that's moving. I need like to create movement. Do you typically create movement in your headwear? I mean, not always. It's, it's definitely going to be in something more whimsical and you have to be careful with it. You may not want it right by the face. It might be distracting when you're talking to someone. People are just going to be staring at this piece moving right by your eyes instead of looking at you. Right. Yeah. It's definitely like a less is more situation. 
Mm-hmm. I, I've got to be honest. My only real knowledge about Dolly Madison, I, I had no idea that she was such a fashion icon. In fact, I all I knew is that, that she stayed and guarded the White House during the War of 1812. And she is responsible for not only saving a lot of incredibly important documents for the United States, but also the, the iconic George Washington portrait when the White House was set on fire. And that was it. That's all I knew. Not only was she fashionable, she was a badass. Uh, Yeah. That's pretty brave for a woman of that time period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it certainly didn't go unnoticed. So many loved the stylings of the First Lady. However, some complained that the trains on her gowns were too long. Really? Is that the best you can do? Everyone loves to be a hater. Right. So some had scoffed at her style, but she was so likable that people gave her a pass for dressing like European royalty, even though apparently she had never been to Europe. She grew up as a Quaker, and some people thought that her ostentatious dressing was a rejection of her upbringing. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It is fascinating to think she's just like down-home girl and has these very dramatic pieces, like... Yeah, it's like she she was thinking of something. Like she had a plan there somewhere. There was a reason behind her, that choice. Well, and also when I was reading about things that people had said about her and even, even to, to look at some photos of, excuse me, not photos. This is way before photos to look at some paintings of her. It was almost as if she was dressing the way that she thought rich people dressed, if that makes sense. Without really knowing. Right, right. Like, oh, of course a rich person would have um, a, a velvet turban with a train on my gown and a bejeweled plume of, you know, whatnot. I think you're so right. I think that's what it was, is she was dressing how she would imagine royalty to dress. Like, probably she was trying to mimic maybe paintings that she had seen of the English monarchy. It's interesting. Right. And at that point, you know, the United States is only maybe, what, 20 years old? So I could see there certainly being like a straddling between what is this new world and then wanting to still have the trappings of what it was to be royalty from the old world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Dolly Madison's turbans were, in fact, her signature accessory, and she boldly wore them until her death at age 81 in 1849. Jumping to the early 20th century, there were waves being made all around the world in fashion. It's said that fashion designer Paul Poray revived the Eastern-influenced turban after visiting the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, where he extensively studied the collections of antique Indian turbans. He very much admired the use of rich embellishments and embroideries, and in 1910, Poray included versions of his own turban in an upcoming collection. His designs quickly became staple accessories for his high society clients, and the draped turban was, and still is, one of his signature looks. The turban's popularity continued to grow throughout the First World War, where it morphed from a fashion statement to more of a practical accessory, as it could be made with minimal sewing skills at home. It would have been just a flat pattern, you know, like it would be like the kind kind that you would make on a sewing machine would be just a less dramatic turban than kind of what we've been seeing the images of. Turbans were also quite useful at covering hair when shampoo and hair products were rationed. Something's never changed. I definitely reach for a hat, especially a turban, if I'm out of dry shampoo and I don't want people to see my dirty hair. Honestly, that's one of the that's one of the greatest reasons to wear a hat, <laughs> any hat really, but especially as something soft that that's you know draped and easy to wear, especially during these COVIDville times. I'll just throw like a bucket hat on, but I'm actually getting a little more inspired to make myself a turban. 
In the 1920s, with the introduction of cars and motorcycles, the turban became a functional way for women to keep their hair out of their face while traveling. That's interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Then, during World War II, French milliner Madame Paulette took a bike ride around Paris and saw gals wearing those practical head covers. She became inspired to make the turban fashionable and fabulous once again. Her designs were ultimately worn by Greta Garbo, Marlena Dietrich, and Gloria Swanson. Jumping forward now to the 1950s, Christian Dior created a turban for uh, Elizabeth Park Firestone, who was a socialite well-known for her extraordinary fashion collection, and people took notice. Interesting, as the 50s began to unfold into the 60s, you would think with the bouffant hairstyles that turbans would have fallen out of popularity, but what happened is that the turban was actually adapted so that it would then sit further back on the head to accommodate the extra volume in the hair. Turbans then had another boost of popularity in the 60s when the fashion house Biba introduced more quirky styles worn by fashion models like Twiggy. And so these 1960s turbans and fashions, what happened was they were usually paired with loose-fitting blouses or caftans to give a similar kind of Eastern vibe that Poray was attracted to in the 1920s. Then you would see actresses like Elizabeth Taylor, one of my favorites, and Joan Collins wearing them. They were known not just to wear turbans during the day, but also as glamorous evening wear. So we'll get to Elizabeth Taylor in just a bit because we're going to be counting down our top turban fashion moments. We're going to post some photos to Instagram in our stories and our highlights so that you can play along as we go through our top turban moments. Deborah and I have already sent each other photos from the 1940s through about the 70s. So Deborah, go ahead and pull up the pictures on your end. I've got them up for me and we're going to go back and forth. And all right, tell me about your first top turban moment. Okay, so I'm going to count backwards. I'm, so starting with number three, it's Diana Rigg from Evil Under the Sun. So I am also a very matchy-matchy kind of person. Uh, so first of all, the character in the movie wears many types of headwear, like all kinds of, she wears turbans and head wraps and straw hats. But in this particular picture, she's got this gorgeous polka dot, multicolored polka dot jacket on, and she's got a matching smaller polka dot, tall wrapped turban. She just, and a, kind of a matching necklace too. Very 30s, very dramatic. Well, and then also she's got all these bangles down her wrist that call out the colors. Exactly. Ugh, it's gorgeous. Love it. It's a great movie, by the way, if you've ever, if you've not seen it. I'm, I'm not even familiar. What, what? It's Agatha Christie, and they're on a, this beautiful island, and there, of course a murder happens. And But it's like, it's like you can't even follow the story because the costumes are so gorgeous. Like, I just stare. I'm so distracted by the costumes and the hats. I'm like, what's going on? Wait, who killed who? What? My uh, first turban moment that I would like to call out is the ever-gorgeous Sophia Loren. So she is one of uh, my my style icons for sure. I love her. I think she's so funny. Uh, I love all the pictures where she's got her arms up and it's full of armpit hair. Um, <laughs> you know, I just I just love how unconventional she was. There's also she was the queen of the side eye, right? There's this photo of her side eyeing Jane Mansfield, who's just spilling out of a dress. Are you familiar with this photo? Yeah, very familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, somebody interviewed her about what was going through her mind at that moment. Um, she also is not shy about eating. She's not shy about kind of who she is as a person. And so I have to give a shout out to Sophia Loren. And the photo that I chose, she's in a very simple, gauzy, draped turban. And I I'm so inspired by this photo, I managed to find a nearly identical turban, 1960s, uh, buff-colored, kind of a light 
cream. I really think that one of the reasons that you see Sophia Loren in Turban so often is that um, her face is is so beautiful and her makeup is so so stunning that I, I think that she really wanted to call attention to that instead of her hair. Sure. Also, also maybe she like, hated going to the hairdresser and how much of a process that was. Perhaps that's why you see her in, in Turban so often. It's such a quick fix. Like, think about all the time you save if you don't have to, you know, wash your hair and style it. It, it really is. It's it such really a is. nuisance. All right, Deborah, what is your next top turban moment? Okay, so number two is Dorothy Lamour from Road to Morocco. Mm, stunning. So this is absolutely beautiful. It's black and white, but I'm guessing it's gold mm-hmm. lame. And what I love about it is, again, there's like two different things happening. So there's a beautiful soft draping of the fabric and I like that it kind of it's a little off-sided so the the height of the fabric is going mm-hmm. off to the left but then framing her face is this gorgeous probably looks like maybe a stiffened beaded uh, applique yeah and it's so and then that's off-sided on the on the other side so it's I just love it because it's balanced perfectly so the fabric's going off to the left and then this like sort of stiffened applique is going off to the right and it just it's very pleasing to the eye. Oh, I love the height on it and that mm-hmm. she's got that dreamy, sleepy old Hollywood look in her eyes. But what I really like is I like the way that her hair is loose underneath it because I, right. I find that that's something that I struggle with because I've got quite long hair. And so I either need to stuff it all up in the turban or I don't know what. And this has almost been placed on her head as opposed to using to conceal her hair. And again, it's just really all about her face. Like, that's what I love about these women. They were not afraid to just be their face. Like, it's, I feel like a lot of modern women, including myself, like, we use, we kind of use our hair to hide behind. But, man, a truly confident woman can just rock her face. That's impressive to me. So my next top turban moment is Lena Horne in the promo photo for the movie Stormy Weather. In the movie itself, she's got so much amazing fashion and headwear. I mean, talk about a person who knew how to accessorize her head. So, so beautiful. But in this particular photo, uh, she's with, with, with Fats Waller. So there were many famous musicians in this movie. And what I love about this particular turban moment is it's a gold lame draped. Uh, it doesn't have too much height on it. And then you can see it almost seems as though there's a loose piece from the back coming down. So almost like a, a fixed but tied headscarf. And she's wearing a matching gown to go with it. That similar like creamy gold color. And like you said, it's all about the face. So she's got her hair parted down the center. You can just see kind of right at the top of her head. But the rest of it is all about great eyebrow shape. She has such beautiful cheeks. I mean, everything about her is so stunningly beautiful. And I feel like this really allows her to show it off. So true. Beautiful smile. What I like about this particular turban is, again, with I like, I've noticed in researching these, I like when there's a little something that mm-hmm. breaks up the fabric. So it's actually just a very like underneath is a really smooth tight it's tight to the um to the frame it's like whatever it's probably a buckram frame underneath there and then on top of that it, it's been draped so 
it's not just folds and folds of draping. There's some contrast to it. And it's just super sleek by her face. And I feel like that accentuates bringing the eye to her face instead of what's on her head. So it's pretty clever. I feel mm. like that was thoughtful. That, that was thought out. Basically. Oh, when you look at photos of her, even when she's just out and about around town, and it's no surprise. I mean, she had a 70-year career. Like This lady knows how to put herself together. And, and she was very much creating this like visual treat, this package, every single outfit. And while I was researching as well, uh, I found this clip of Whitney Houston talking about Lena Horne in Stormy Weather and how much of a transformative experience that was for her. And it was so cool because I consider Whitney Houston to be someone who has that voice that transcends. And so to hear who her inspiration was was really awesome. No, that is interesting to, it's like your role model's role model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I ever really understood who Lana Horn was or even even kind of heard the name, I, the music is familiar to me, but I, I'm not one to watch a lot of old Hollywood movies, which is funny because I love the style, but I just have never really sat down and watched many of the movies. But performer named Doreen Corey mentioned the name in the documentary Paris is Burning. And it's about the drag ball scene in New York in the 80s and 90s. And Dorian is a, a queen who is one of the elders in the movie that they are interviewing. And uh, she mentions Lena Horne. And that's where I got interested in, in her as a fashion icon. Don't you wish you could have been a fly on the wall in, the, in that 80s club scene back then? Um, with the exception of the fact that they found a mummified body in Dorian's closet after she passed. He passed. I'm not sure on the pronouns for Dorian Corey. Um, maybe not a fly on the wall there because that was probably a pretty horrifying situation. But yes, the short answer is yes. I mean, and have you watched the show Pose at all? No, but I've heard a lot about it. Ooh, yeah. I highly recommend Pose. Uh, talk about great costume designers. I'm noting it right now. All right. So your final turban moment that you'd like to call out? It's going to definitely have to be Carmen Miranda. Ugh, you can't have a conversation about turbans without talking about her. No, but honestly, it's like nearly impossible to pick a favorite. So I mm -hmm. just, I had to just force myself. Um, I mean, it's like when you look at images of her, it's just like each headpiece, each headdress she wears is like each one is better than the, than the first, you know. Ugh, and this one that you picked out? It is just, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start describing this. I think I'd leave that to you. It's beautiful. It's oddly simple and yet extremely dramatic. No, it's so it's the frame is, um, and it's funny because not, I would say not all her headdresses, you could qualify them as turbans because they're not really draped at the bottom. But so this is, a, an, again, this looks to me like a knit, a knit gold fabric that has kind mm -hmm. of like ribbing in it. It's almost like a two-tone gold but it definitely has some severe draping to it a little bit of height with the draping at the center front but then they've gone and used these gorgeous coral colored curled feathers just like a tremendous amount that, that almost create like a wave effect how do you get a feather to curl like that i mean you could use scissors and curl it or a, a sharp knife hmm. But like just, so, I mean, just look, this, I'm just telling you, this is a tremendous amount of feathers. Like it's not just one or two. It's like layered upon layered, mass amounts of, of that same type of feather that's been curled. How heavy do you think something like that would be? I'm trying to picture it right now. Um, I mean, the feathers in, in and of themselves wouldn't be, but the fact that there's so many. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like the, and do you remember the scene in uh, I Love Lucy where Lucy's, you know, pretending to be a showgirl in, in Ricky's show and she's got this overly heavy headpiece on and she can't even walk down the stairs 
I don't think it was quite that heavy. So, Deborah. Yes. I have a I have a confession, and I almost hope this doesn't ruin our friendship. I have seen one episode of I Love Lucy in my whole life. Did it make you laugh? Yes and no. So it was the one, and it's funny. I I probably was twelve or younger. I was at my friend's house, and I don't know if her mom was watching it or we were waiting for her mom. So it was just on. Why do I remember this of all the things to remember? And so essentially, it was something with a fur coat. The fur coat was damaged, maybe, and she was trying to remember a nickname to get this guy to do a favor because he thought that they used to go together. And it was like drippy or something. Was the, Does this sound familiar at all? No, not really. Now that I've just uh, completely derailed things, I now I feel like I have to go find this. Like she had ripped the sleeve off of a, of a fur coat or something by accident and had to get it repaired. Because like she couldn't let Ricky know type of thing. Right, right. Like I feel like that was the premise. But for some reason, same thing, like Lucille Ball, another person that I find so fabulous and I know all about her life and she's so interesting, but I never really watched the show. I mean, you'll seriously peer pants. Like, <laughs> I'll watch it these days or even even just a clip. And I think to myself, I mean, it, it literally stands the test of time. Like, it's just as funny now as it was back then. And it's it's so simple. And they were so brilliant. And they committed so hard to those characters. I remember one time I, I, <laughs> I was laying on the couch and I laughed so hard. I like, threw my head back and I hit, like, this coffee table. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like literally almost caused damage. Like I, I just wailed my own head into this coffee table from laughter. No, it's it's she's brilliant. They are brilliant together. Well, my final turban moment that I would like to call out isn't a moment. Just like Carmen Miranda, I feel like you sincerely could not pick one, but it's Elizabeth Taylor. She is another one of the just iconic Hollywood actress who knows how to dress. So I sent you over a panel of pictures of her, everything from simple white with some low height, uh, different shapes. And then I really love this one of her. It's really got this 1940s look. She's in a suit, a black suit with the the really exaggerated shoulders. And then she's got on this simple black turban that has some type of embellishment on the front. Elizabeth Taylor, not only was she a turban wearer, but she wore head dresses, like big ornate beautiful things and she really has been one of my earliest style icons and one thing I think I like about her and I noticed about Sophia Loren is that they were in the star realm uh, at the point in which people's eyebrows started getting thicker again (laughs) right because before it was like just Rita Hayworth and even hers were a little on the thin side and then they they kind of start getting a little bit to where modern times are I mean some modern the actual like fierce brow that current trend not my favorite but it's this kind of in-between style that I really personally resonate with. And then Elizabeth Taylor also has such beautiful kind of that dark eye makeup. And I think that might be a reason why she gravitated towards turbans and getting the hair off of her face and, you know, really allowing that beautiful bone structure she has. It's something I, a long time ago, I feel like I watched something about face symmetry and she's got one of the most symmetrical faces in the world. Yeah, that's, that's that's how they determine, right, what's visually appealing is like the more some, in theory, the more symmetrical the face, the more attractive the person appears. I suppose. I mean, then I'm, I'm in bad shape because I have two different colored eyes and my eyes are also two different shapes, like completely different shapes. Listen, years ago, one of my, uh, actually a drag friend of mine pointed out that one of my eyes appears to be smaller than the other. And I'm like, thanks, fella. I never noticed that before. And now that's all I can notice when I look in the mirror or sometimes in pictures. Thanks so much. Yeah. So it's like the thing is the truth of the matter is we're all asymmetrical and that's what makes us unique. So bravo, bravo or brava 
to the ladies that are perfectly symmetrical, but I think it's pretty few and far between. Yes. Uh, I feel like we cannot have a turban conversation without bringing up everyone's favorite fictional diva, Norma Desmond. I'm so glad that you did because I actually have kind of a firsthand, <laughs> I have a good story that goes along with Norma Desmond. Do tell. But, but you tell me first what you want to say about her. Oh, gosh. I mean, just everything about her and her affect and her character. I just love, I, you know, you, you just have to think about all the people that she must have been based on, right? And then what I also really love about Norma Desmond is the amount of amazing actresses who played her. I, on stage. On stage. On stage. Right. How much fun must that role have been, right? I would love it. I bet you could make a good Norma Desmond. Thank you. I would try. I certainly would try. So a few years ago, I was contacted through my website by a man who wanted me to make him a turban. Hmm. From this point on in the story, I will refer to him as my fabulous male client. Fabulous and somewhat eccentric. <laughs> I feel like, wait, is there an acronym? Fabulous male call FMC? FMC. <laughs> I mean, we can work that out. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what made him fabulous and eccentric was his obsession with Norma Desmond, played mm. by Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. He also wined and dined me whenever we would meet to brainstorm, which was a lovely bonus. Was but, this in uh, Chicago? It was, yeah. No, but he was so obsessed that he wanted me to recreate the leopard print turban that Swanson, that Swanson wears in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm asked all the time if I make men's hats, which I don't. And the reason is because I don't have men's hat hat blocks. And it's also, it's just, for me, it's not quite fun because I like to really embellish things. But this guy basically wanted a woman's hat, but in a bigger size to fit him. And he had a rather large head, even for a man. His head was 25 inches in circumference. That's something that um, our friend Julia from Rare Jewel Vintage says, is that you, you really have no idea how big someone's head is. You can't really tell by looking at them until they start putting on hats. Precise. I mean, just measure your head and then you'll know. That's kind of an interesting party conversation. Do you know how large your head is? <laughs> and some people walk around going, I, my head's so huge. like Because I think they, they're presuming that it means that they're smarter. And then you measure their head and it's actually unusually small. So it's just funny, like the perception that people have. So anyway, so he has this large head and I didn't have the right size hat block for him. So... I actually have a nice relationship with Optimo Hats in Chicago, mm -hmm. who actually do make really gorgeous men's hats, um, and they kindly allowed me to borrow one of their bigger blocks. Once I made this guy one turban, it was like he was addicted and he needed more. So I ended up creating four hats total for him. Three were turbans and one was a cloche. So, but anyway, this guy was so much fun, and I mean, this is the kind of passion like he would literally. He'd be like like researching images in the middle of the night and he'd be like compulsively sending me images of like th throughout the night. And it's like at some point he was calling me Edith Head. You know, he would call like in the, the head. Of the, he, he would address the email to Edith and then he would sign off as some other character. But anyway, so he was, like I said, a bit eccentric, but a lot of fun. And um, I don't know, he was it's really just kind of like the perfect client because uh, he was so excited about wearing these pieces. And so then we'd, then we'd meet, I'd meet him out like for a drink somewhere and he'd have this fabulous turban on that I made and I'd have, you know, wear some, one of my hats and it was just a lot of fun. But oh, he ended up that. moving. He left town and like that was kind of the last I heard from him. So he kind of swooped him to my life and, you know, swept himself out of my I'm life. I'm looking at a photo of one of the hats that you made for him. It's so beautiful. It's really intricate and really gorgeous. Thank you. That's uh, the green snakeskin, the sort mm -hmm. of basket weave. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably one of the most intricate pieces that I 
that I made. It never occurred to me to do like a basket weave, but just kind of in researching at the time different turbans, um, I just got inspired to do it. So it just gives a like a an ad so that the fabric itself had a print on it, but then this gives it a little added texture. And then he had in his collections some really great vintage brooches. So, you know, we put a really pretty brooch the center front. But yeah, it was dramatic, but he rocked it. He looks so good in them. And I think he just felt like he sort of peacocked it. You know, he that's the point of a hat is to to kind of walk into a room and know that you're like one of the prettiest people there, you know, or you certainly have the most amount of chutzpah because it you know it takes it takes some confidence to Mm -hmm. to rock a hat like that yeah no it's lovely and I love the way that uh kind of it comes down over his ears what was his hair like underneath or did he have a shaved head it was pretty short yeah you know because so the first my first attempt at like the Norma Desmond animal print I felt like his ears were like it it covered maybe half of his ears and I Mm -hmm. realized after making that first one that I really wanted to contain his ears and have the back of the turban drop down a little lower. So thanks for noticing that. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you live and learn. Like that was the fir- really my first attempt at a turban. And I decided I feel like you need to go a little bit lower in the back. Beautiful. Thank you. In in my research, as I was trying to pick out my top turbans to share with you, uh, I immediately thought of the Peruvian songbird, Ima Sumac. Speaking of eccentricity, it's such an eccentric, beautiful style. Uh, and surprisingly, I wasn't able to find too many photos of her with turbans on. Lots of headwear, but not necessarily this drape style turban, one or two. And in, in her older years, near the end of her life, she certainly wore turbans quite often. But in my research about Ima Sumac, I came across a person that I never had known his name, but I certainly knew his story. And that was a guy named Corla Pandit. And you said you saw photos of him too. So he wore a turban that was meant to look like a Sikh's turban, mm-hmm. um, but it had this big embellished jewel on the front typically. There was this gorgeous satin with this big embellished jewel. And he was certainly trying to play off or pass off a different culture, but he was getting them all conflated. So he had on this pretty traditional religious looking turban that was bejeweled, but he said he was Hindu. So uh, he's got a really fascinating story, probably in another very vintage episode. He was famous in the 1950s. He was on TV, long running program where he would play the organ and just mesmerizingly stare at the camera. He never spoke a word. He would just stare into the camera as he played these beautiful haunting songs and there'd be dancers all around him. So intense. He was a good looking guy too. So I can only imagine that. Yeah, if you only saw photos, you should look up videos because I feel like he was staring into my soul. What did you say about people thought that he was trying to transfix them? Or oh, no? yeah, there was a one of the things I saw is that he eventually uh, they ended his program because the I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but something along the lines of I, I believe he was on PBS or some type of public type of channel. And the complaint was that people feared had this conspiracy theory that he was trying to hypnotize people uh, in, in the United States. He was trying to, like, you know transfix hypnotize uh the folks at home and and so that's one of the reasons that he kind of fell out of popularity people got distrustful of a foreigner early illuminati oh gosh he did live in los angeles (laughs) hollywood elite gotta crack that code (laughs) right you might be surprised to know that i really only have one turban and i've only worn it one time Uh, i wore it for a Halloween costume. I was basically a re- overly dramatic flapper. So Rachel, I know you have a few really beautiful turbans. Will you tell me about them? Yeah, well, you know, I really have two. And they're more recent acquisitions. Like in the last two years, uh, they've, they've come into my life, uh, both from the same person. 
uh, and they are about 1960s or so, I would say. They're quite lovely. So one I mentioned earlier was inspired by that Sophia Loren photo, and I really love it because when you look at it from the back, it's this swirly, gauzy, beautiful cream color. It's got some nice draping kind of twist at the front, but from the back, the way the twist is, it looks like a giant white rose kind of coming off the back of your head. Yeah. And so the inside is very structured. So it kind of stands up on its own. It's very structured and it's like that thick crinoline, if you will. But the Mm -hmm. issue is that it's ever so slight. It's just like a smidge too tight for me around the the band and explaining the inside has like a grow grain ribbon and it looks as though there's a seam allowance of almost a whole inch and you know how I get scared about cutting into things but I almost feel if I open up this seam allowance it would because the draping allow it to just I mean I feel like I'm putting it on right now I can I can place it on the back of my head on the crown of my head but I wish it was just a little bit bigger like I can it's certainly wearable especially if I pinned into it but you, know. you feel like it's just resting instead of it's not like encompassing your head. It's not right. It's not. It's not cupping my head the way that I wish cupping it was. Cupping is the word I'm looking for. It's not cupping your head because my hair is so long. Like I don't have one of those like cute flapper style haircuts or even a 1960s bob. I've got like really long. It's probably past the bottom of my bra band at this point. I mean, we've been. I haven't gotten a haircut in months and months and months because uh, you know we've all been sheltering in place. Right. I'm probably coming up on almost a year since I've gotten my hair cut. That's incredible. I keep chicken out and cutting my own hair. So that's turban number one. So what do you think? What what should I do to make this a little bigger? Well, your instinct to take the grain ribbon off was very smart. I would say, first of all, don't be afraid. You're not cutting into the, the hat. You're just going to be cutting the stitches that keep the ribbon on. I would say carefully take that off with a seam ripper or so, a tiny pointed scissors. You may find that even just taking the grain off already is going to maybe expand it a little bit because it might be the grow grain that's keeping it at that small size. Okay. So try it on after you, the ribbon's off and see if that, you know, so how much, how much, if you got any give out of that. But if you feel like that's still a little too snug, I would say put that on a, ha- a wooden hat block. Okay. I know that you have one because I left one at your house when I was there. You certainly did. Also, I should mention, I don't know if you know this, but before you use a wooden hat block with you know, when you're steaming or draping anything millinery, you want to cover it with aluminum foil. It's basically, oh, okay. once, yeah, once that's, once it's covered, you're basically protecting the wood from steam or moisture. Okay. Because if you don't, over time, the wood's going to get warped, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just, yeah, just, it, yeah, it's, the water's going to damage the wood. Once that's draped in aluminum foil, I would say put the hat on there and take, take your hand steamer and just, you know, steam the entire hat. And then at, around the base of the hat, I would maybe take your finger and just kind of go around a little bit, like little by little. Like, don't try to manhandle it. Don't, like, stretch it too hard. But just the key to, to steaming things is it's steaming millinery items is mm-hmm. to just kind of do it little by little until – because you could easily make that too big. You know right. what I mean? And that's a whole different De- problem. Right, depending on, like, what it's made out of. So I would say just do it little by little. Just kind of go around. And you're basically trying to get the whole circumference of the bottom a little bit bigger. Got here. it. So keep trying it on as you're doing that so that it doesn't get too big. But once it's at the, it's at the size that you like, just you know let that sit and dry. Make sure all the moisture is out of it. It won't take all that long. Mm-hmm. But then you will you could probably use that exact same ribbon and just put it back. And then that's where the seam allowance will come in handy. Got it. And it is quite drapey. So I, I can see if I was a little bit more confident in my sewing and millinery skills, how, how you can expand this. And I, I do like the idea of steaming because some of the fabric – is a little wrinkled anyway, so it's probably 
probably time for a steam. So let's see if I get really brave and maybe I'll I'll give it a go. But it is a it's a really gorgeous piece. It was something that I was really excited to get, and then a little disappointed that it was just a touch too tight. Like I I can certainly make it work, but I would love it if it was just a little touch bigger. You did mention about accidentally making things too big. So what if I buy a hat, especially a turban style draped hat, and it's too big? What do I do? There's this this item that you can get through various millinery supply companies. It's it's called millinery foam, but but really honestly, like I haven't really got it from a millinery supply store in years. I honestly just go to Home Depot. <laughs> I mm. go to Home Depot and it's basically like an insulation strip. It's, you know, it's like a, maybe a quarter of an inch. It comes in different widths, but it's an or maybe a quarter of an inch uh, thick and then you there's an inside strip of adhesive that you can take off. So you're basically using the adhesive to stick it on the inside of the, the grogrin ribbon or the sweatband of the hat. So it's, it could usually be concealed by that, but it basically just takes up just, you know, a little bit of space if something's too big. And it's surprising how effective it is. Okay, well, that's brilliant. Sometimes you need just a little bit. Maybe you need, like, you don't need the full circumference. Sometimes you could just do half in the back or kind of where, you know, maybe six inches on the sides or you kind of play around with it just sort of where you need it you just you're basically filling up space on the inside of the hat so I do have another turban and this one fits me like a dream so I got it right around the same time as this white turban and it is it's more of a soft style turban so it's a satiny I don't think it's silk but it's a satiny uh, draped blue turban and it you know I can wear it straight down I can wear it along the back of my head you you've seen it before I feel so glamorous when I'm in that thing telling you that's the key to wearing a hat well and as as we were researching for this podcast i came across an amazing video it's on pbs's website it was fashion historian and milliner edward mater and i'm not familiar with him maybe you are being in the business he is the most delightful man it's a five minute video and he talks about dolly madison so that's the tie-in there that's why i came across it and while he's talking about her he's kind of showing off some different hats uh, but he's also making a turban using a hat that he bought at a dollar store that he cuts the brim off of as the base and he's kind I love of that. yeah tinkering around and he's just the, so joyful and he's somebody I would love to meet or be friends with I don't know and he talks about clothing as communication and how we often feel like we're wearing clothes but at the end of the day it's that we're projecting through clothes I find that to be absolutely true like you should feel you should feel glamorous. You should feel a, like a little bit like, you know, everyone uses that term, your best self. Mm-hmm. These days it's a bit overused, but that's to me what a hat should make you feel like, your absolute best I, self. I really feel quite regal when I'm wearing this. I love it. Good. I'm so happy. Yeah. And, and what is it that you always say? Wear it in good health. Yeah, that's what my grandmother used to tell me. We're in good health. And then I've added and happy times. All right. Well, on our outro, why don't you go ahead and just say that all for us for good measure. As my grandmother used to say, word and good health and happy times. Wonderful. And thank you for listening to another episode of Very Vintage. A big thank you to our friend Mary Roback for suggesting the topic and for significant research contributions to this episode. We're brand new, so if you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on whatever streaming platform that you found us. If you've got some feedback or you'd like us to cover a specific topic, please DM us on Instagram at Very Vintage Podcast. We also added a contact form on our website, veryvintagepodcast.com. Just click contact us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just got added to iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. And Deborah, when you're not on the podcast, where can we find you? 
You can find me through my website at millineryetc.com and on Facebook, also Millinery ETC, and on Instagram at DebraShirley1111. Very good. And you can find me manning our very vintage podcast, social media. We are most active on Instagram. So come check out our pictures for everything we talked about on this episode. Uh, We'll be posting them in stories, on the page, in highlights. And join us again for our next very vintage podcast. 